This is episode number 120 of the Rising Man podcast with Rowan Tyne. In the dark of night on stormy seas, he looked inward to find his way. Blessings and good rising to you, family. Jetty Azuma here, bringing you another amazing installment of the Rising Man podcast. If this is your first time checking in with us, then let me introduce myself as the host of this podcast and the founder of the Rising Man movement. Our mission is to initiate an entire generation of men, period. That's what we're here for. We believe this is how we as men can make our greatest impact on the future of humanity. It wouldn't be possible without the Rising Man community. It wouldn't be possible without this culture that we're creating, that we're sharing together. So before we start our conversation today, I want to invite you become a bigger part of the Rising Man family. Everything Rising Man related is living over at risingman.org. So if you're a man without out there without a men's circle, wait no longer. You can join us inside of our virtual Rising Man fire circles, get access to your own team, monthly training calls with me, guest presenters, and so much more. If you're looking for men's initiations, gatherings, and trainings in the next Rising Man adventure to get you more involved and more acquainted with what we do here, to prepare you to be the man you've always wanted to be. And you can check out all our other offerings at risingman.org. Let me introduce my guest for today. My guest is Rowan Tyne. Yes, Rowan is one of our very own, a member of the Rising Man Power Team for the past two years. He chose the school of life instead of college after he finished high school, traveling all over Southeast Asia and the Pacific Islands. This past year, he started Wayfinders Media with another Rising Man stalwart, Sean Offenbach, and has been partnering with heart-centered leaders all over the world to create custom media with excellence and impact. In this episode, we discuss Rowan's tremendous journey, covering thousands of miles across the world and unique experience that helped clarify his personal mission. We touched upon his experience with Vision Quest, joining us for the first Compass crew. We talked about clarity and confidence as a young man, finding his way into the world of men's work and men's teams, and a sneak peek at life as a member inside the Azuma family. Without further ado, Rowan Tyne. Rising man family, I've got a really special guest here today, sitting right in front of me this time, None other than the illustrious Rowan Tyne coming in live from Santa Barbara. Yo, yo, yo. Finally making it happen, man, here on the show after all this time. Yeah, it's been quite the journey. Yeah. On the eve of you leaving Santa Barbara, becoming a certified Texan. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> Feels kind of crazy, man. It's been a good seven months here with you, though. Mm-hmm. It's been awesome. Yeah, man. It sure has been great having you working side by side here in the office aka the garage yeah it's been really great man and you know we've been wanting to have this conversation for a while because for people who listen to the podcast they hear your name every time they listen to an episode and probably Mm -hmm. don't know much about you but Mm -hmm. for those of you guys who don't know rowan he's a he's a young guy 21 years old but has lived quite a life already and has chosen an alternative path for how he's carving his space in this world so before we get into that you know what's coming so let's let's oh kick it off, man. What's the difference between a boy and a man? Mm. Yeah, well, it's really interesting because that's something I didn't know the answer to for myself before really meeting you and listening to this podcast and being a part of the movement. And really what I'm learning through the movement is that the difference between a boy and the man is that a boy is self-centered, thinking about himself because that's his time period to do that. And that the more we move into down the spectrum of being an actual man, we are focusing on our community and being of service to the people around us. So Mm -hmm. that's something for me, I feel like I'm moving more on the spectrum of I have, you know, claimed my own manhood fasting and with my own rite of passage experiences. But it's it's something that I'm still absolutely on the spectrum Mm -hmm. moving in, in that direction and also still holding the the joy and the excitement that the boy has and in my knighthood so yeah yeah and so let's dive in man let's let's go yeah 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 naked masks off right off the bat because i know oh, yeah. that that's been 
one of the more painful lessons that you've mm-hmm. encountered in the past mm-hmm. six to eight months is recognizing there still is a lot of boy in there and that, totally. that self-centeredness totally. was a blind spot for you. So t- just talk about that a little bit, how yeah. you change that discovery, because you're not the only one, obviously. Yeah, so I think a big pattern, obviously, you know all of this stuff, but I'm really talking to everybody here. A big pattern for me has always been trying to be one step ahead of myself, trying to get ahead and like literally as like a child wanting to be a teenager, a teenager wanting to get out of the house and get moving. And then, you know, finally being here in my life where I can really do whatever I want if I set my mind to it. I've noticed just myself jumping ahead and seeing people that I admire, seeing where other people are at, also surrounding myself with elders and men in my life and just people in general who are older than me it has a lot of advantages and then it also has the disadvantage in a sense of forgetting where I'm at and I can you know lose myself in that but it's also a big practice for me of coming back into my center and being like okay that might be where somebody else is you know you might be in that period of your life where in that prince in taking care of a family and really being giving yourself to the world. And for me, a big revelation with that has just been like, yes, I care so much about the world. And this time period that I'm in, you know, I'm 21 right now, to be transparent, like, this is my time for me. This is my time for, for me to see what I'm made of and to grow and have experiences where that I can draw on for the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. so for me, just in, even in the past few months, it's been like coming back to that place within myself. And I've felt a lot more centered just recently versus like this constant leaning, leaning a little bit t- too far forward. There's a fine line of wanting to like a healthy leaning into life mm-hmm. um, while maintaining that centeredness. And yeah, I'm just learning to find that for myself. Yeah, it's been so fascinating watching that part of your journey because, and I've told you this before, that it's just such a mirror of how I was. I remember, and and this is something that Alison Armstrong talks about in her stages of development, is that we're always looking to the next stage. You know, the the pages that are running around looking at knights want want to swing the sword and Mm -hmm. ride the stallion and rescue fair maidens. And the knights, they're out adventuring, but someday they realize, oh, I want the kingdom. I want to build something. I want to, you know, and then the prince, the, the actually the most painful thing as a prince is recognizing you're not a king yet. Mm-hmm. And then just putting your head down and chopping away for 15, 20 years because that's the only thing that matters. So totally. I remember watching that in myself when I was, when I was in eighth grade, all I wanted to do was get to high school. When I was a senior in high school, all I wanted to do was get to college. Yeah. When I was my last years in college, I just wanted to get a job. I was always looking for that next step. Yeah. And I know for me, it was a lot about achievement and wanting more. Yeah. So it's it's a double it's a double edged sword, right? It's like the the ambitiousness of yeah. wanting to keep pushing and driving, mm-hmm. but the consequence of missing out. Yeah. Like rushing through a stage or rushing through a process. So I'm, I'm wondering what else you're gleaning from that, especially because I know there's people out there listening who can relate to that in some capacity, especially that knighthood journey where. Yeah. You, you want significance so much. It's so important to be seen in the world. Totally. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So a big piece that has come up for me in this process has, you know, I'm a really ambitious person and I have a lot of vision and a lot of things that I see ahead where I'm like, I want to go that way. And, and in that, I had a painful kind of check-in with myself a few months ago where I basically realized, hey, that's all cool, but I can't do this at the expense of the relationships in my life. And I don't think I was quite there, you know, quite walking on the relationships in my life because I care a lot about people and I am very heart-centered, but I saw how that could really be a possibility Mm. where I could focus so much on trying to get somewhere that I lose integrity with the people in my life. And it could have been a lot worse. And I saw you play out in in more minor ways. And so that was a really big check-in for me of like, all right, I need to to come back and really, really tune into what matters to me because all of that's great and all of that matters and I want to achieve things and it's all going to happen. But I also need to check in and, and remember that like it's the connections in my life that actually are what fulfill me way more than where I go and what I look like and 
how people see me. So mm-hmm. just that big check-in where it's like, oh, my community matters. The people that are right here with me matter. My family, my friends, my loved ones. That's Let me nourish those connections and have that be part of my journey all along the way instead of feeling it has to be one or the other. Sure. It's interesting because I'm sure there's a lot of guys who are going to listen to this conversation who are in their mid-20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, perhaps, who are like, what does this 21-year-old have to that, that's beneficial for me? But mm-hmm. what I see is that you're learning a lot of big lessons early mm-hmm. on. Because yeah. I know a lot of guys personally who mm-hmm. are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s yeah. and are still making it about themselves, pretending like they're making it about everybody else. Because there's a need for significance, because there's a need to look like the humble, generous servant, but is still craving to be taken care of and be seen and appreciated, which is not unique to any one person. That's that's part of the condition of being a boy and then being a man. Yeah. Is it not? Totally. Yeah. So, you know, I see that in you. So that's the good news is like, hey, man, way to go. You're you're picking this apart at 21 years old. Mm And it's it's a big lesson to take on when you're walking into the world the way that you are. Mm-hmm. You know, for those who don't, people who don't know you, you, you chose not to go to college. You chose to travel. You chose to, you know, the school <laughs> of the earth versus, you know, any of the yeah. universities. Yeah. So how's that decision unfolded into all the lessons that you've called in for yourself at this age? Mm. Let's start with why did you choose to bypass mm. school and the conventional path? Totally. Yeah, so it really started for me at a young age growing up on the East Coast, going to public school. And I have like a fairly connected family and connected meaning, you know, solid relationship with nature and I call spirit. And I really pushed a lot of that away because I immediately really actually adamantly chose to go to public school because I wanted that. And part of me kind of needed that experience, I guess. But I really tried to fit in. I really tried to experience kind of the normal world, the conventional lifestyle. And I really dove into that very unconsciously, of course, as a child. That became a big part of my upbringing was me trying to fit in and be a part of this world as it is. And just over and over again, feeling like I didn't belong in that, which I know isn't a unique experience I know there's a lot of people out there who can relate with that, but I kept trying. I kept trying to fit myself into this box of like, of the way of life that is just conventional. And I don't necessarily think there's a wrong part of that. I think it it becomes wrong when we're disconnected with our own internal guidance system. And I was had no, I I mean, that's a very, you know, technological sounding term, Mm -hmm. I didn't have any idea, like something pulling me inside of me, that there was a voice I could listen to inside of me. I was Mm -hmm. just looking to everything around me in life, trying to learn. And it seemed like I should do the conventional thing so I could fit in and belong and be safe and accepted. But that never really worked out for me. And it was, there was a lot of trying and with wounds coming in from getting bullied growing up to just this lostness that I started feeling at a young age around 10, I started experiencing a lot of depression and just getting in trouble a lot at school and even just having a lot of blowouts. I always had so much emotional intensity and and anger and, and frustration that were kind of would kind of bubble up inside of me and then it would kind of explode like a volcano when it would hit a certain capacity and it would come out at my family where I'd literally be like instigating fights with my fathers and just like yelling and just it was messy Mm -hmm. and even having like the cops called on me and between like getting on probation when I was 13 experiencing a lot of depression self-harming drug abuse all of the these messy things that were happening that were basically these messages like and reactions life was just constantly showing me that this wasn't the path for me and that there was something not right here, mm. that this wasn't what I came here to experience, mm. that I needed to experience that, but it didn't feel aligned. It didn't feel right inside. And I didn't have the vocabulary of the words to describe that. Mm. And 
So all of these experiences happened. At a certain point, I was really contemplating suicide for a while. And when I, I kind of hit this breaking point, I just wanted to commit suicide. I didn't want to be here. I hated myself. And ultimately, it was like my siblings. It was this love that I have. I have five younger siblings, and I'm the oldest. And I could see what it would do to them. I could see like how it would break them because I had friends who their older brother passed away from drunk driving earlier on in their childhood. And I saw the way it like affected them. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't do that to them. And that kind of forced me, honestly, into this, like, all right, well, I got to live. Mm-hmm. Not for myself in this moment, but I got to stick around. So I better, I better do it the way that I want to do it. I better find a way to do it where it actually feels right, where I'm not wreaking havoc and burning everywhere I go and everyone I meet and myself along the way. Mm-hmm. And so basically that when I turned 18, I had been working for a couple of years since I could get a job. And I actually didn't think I was going to live till I was 18. I thought I was going to have committed suicide or from drunk driving. I wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And it was just this big, I just remember this big moment where I was like, oh, I'm alive here. I'm going to be alive next year when I graduate. I applied for college and got in and everything, but I, I knew I wasn't going to do that. I knew I was going to like take the money that I had saved up, and I knew I was going to travel and give myself my own education. Let's talk about that for a second, because yeah. there's, there's a lot of relatable yeah. pieces of your story. Yeah. Uh, again, regardless of what stage of life anyone is at, I think mm-hmm. every one of us can relate to finding ourselves in a situation yeah. or in circumstances that weren't necessarily our choosing. Yeah. I guess we choose everything to some degree, but perhaps we find ourselves in circumstances that had a lot of external influences. Mm-hmm. That internal GPS that you were referencing. Mm-hmm. There's cerebral wisdom, which is logic, that yeah. everything that happens upstairs in the brain between the eyes or behind the eyes. And then there's what they call enteral wisdom, which is like the guts. Entero mm-hmm. is the yeah. word for like intestines. So that yeah. that feeling somewhere else in your body that normally we don't make decisions from, at least I know for me as a child, yeah. only life or death survival decisions were made from that place. Yeah, Everything else was crafted in the mind. And I was taught to make decisions from the mind. I think, I think that's actually what most of us, how we develop is making logic-based decisions, Mm -hmm. which obviously is useful, but missing out on that GPS that you were talking about. And I just know that there's so many guys at different stages of life that feel that same edge of, I can't go on like this anymore. I got to go. Some of them fortunately remember like, oh, but I got my kids. I can't leave my kids behind. And for you, it's like, I won't leave my siblings behind because there's a lot of guys, you know, one guy every four minutes that's committing suicide. So it's like, it's crazy that we we box ourselves into these lives that we really don't want for all of these beliefs that aren't even really our own. Yeah. But some the fortunate few of us find our way out of that. And I know that's a big part of your story and the medicine yeah. that you want to bring. Totally. So back to you, picking up on that mm-hmm. and finding your way out of the conventional, what was it like to walk the path less traveled? <laughs> it's quite the journey for sure. It's a bit of everything. It's been so amazing. I downplay that a lot because I I have this pattern where I want to make people feel comfortable and I like being humble, but it's been really amazing and it's also been really challenging and like complete both spectrums to the as far as I've experienced it. It's been intense. It's some of the it's exp- I've traveled the world, been around the globe twice and had some of the most alive, exciting, inspired moments and experiences that have, yeah, I'm just going to carry with me forever. And I've also had some of the darkest like moments ever where just completely like in the void of just this emptiness and lostness and confusion and feeling alone and mm. not knowing the way. Mm. And I think that's kind of a key in the path less traveled is that there isn't really a way like if if we're really taking our path, if we're really walking the path that is authentic to us, it hasn't been done before because mm-hmm. each one of us is meant to walk our own path. And yes, we can look at the trails that other people have made along the way. We can look at how other people 
live their lives. But at the end of the day, we get to bring all of that together and choose, forge our way for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And instead of just saying, oh, this is what everybody else does, I'm just going to, you know, walk directly in somebody's footsteps. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I want to honor the footsteps of everybody who's come before me and the people I respect in the world, you, my other father figures. Oh, there's so many beautiful people, but I don't want to be any of them. I came here to be me. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's just like, we need that. We need to have that sense of, it's just integrity with ourselves, integrity with who we are. I guess there's willpower in that, but also just finding our own independence because we need to have independence in the world and needs, for me, I feel like I need to know how to stand in myself before I can, you know, connect interdependently and symbiotically with everybody around me, before mm -hmm. I can actually be of service and work with my community and build things together, I need to like know who I am. And so, I mean, that's been the big journey. And I think that's the journey that you talk all about and with similar but different wording, mm -hmm. but it's really just like, who was I born to be? Who Who is the man that I want to be? And mm -hmm. all of us, every single one of us share that, which yeah. is why this work is so powerful. It's archetypal and it's yeah. Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey. You know, everyone these days is familiar with his stories and he was telling this, these stories back in the 80s, yeah. you know, before, way before you were born. Yeah. Obviously, the Hero's Journey is a story that's been told for millennia since the beginning of humans. So there's, there's obviously something to it. Yeah. That's definitely a window and a doorway into talking about rites of passage. Uh, you know, but before we get there, mm -hmm. I want to talk about, you mentioned darkness yeah. And you mentioned that even even being on a journey that's well documented in your social media, you know, you've got videos, <laughs> you've got pictures of you yeah. at the top of mountains, you know, in all different countries where I'm sure there were people out there in the world following you from behind a screen. Yeah. Sitting at a desk. Right. In a classroom or at a job, like an entry level position uh -huh. or maybe living in their mom's attic who are going through the same darknesses or similar darkness. Let's just call it darkness. Totally. Let's just, and darkness is what? Challenge. Yeah. Adversity. But they're doing it behind a screen. They're doing it in a classroom. They're doing it, you know, raising a kid because they had a kid early on yeah. or whatever the circumstance. Maybe they're in it. Maybe they're in a cell. Maybe they did made some choices and they're in a jail cell. Yeah. So it's not so that so much that the darkness or the adversity is different. It doesn't, it's not like that yeah. goes away by traveling the world and having an awesome experience. No. How, how is it different? Cause it sounds like you experienced a bit of that even before you ever left New Hampshire. Absolutely. So how, how is it different being with darkness, adversity and challenge on the road? <laughs> That's a great question for me. I guess it's just like, I'd rather fall in the direction of my dreams and I'd rather fall down and, and have all these failure moments, but be doing it like my way. <laughs> like I chose to do this mm. versus just succumbing to, to life. And I'm not saying that that's what other people are doing. I respect everybody's journey and what everybody's choosing how to live their lives. Mm. And so do whatever. And, and with that, like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a matter of what are you choosing? We're, yeah. we're either choosing or we're allowing things to happen yeah. to us is that is how i see it and that's, yeah. that's what i hear in what you're saying is that you can sit idly by and allow yeah. life to happen yeah making superficial choices like which school are you going to go to mm -hmm. versus am i going to go to school at all right. am i going to go to college at all yeah and i think a lot of people get stuck in these circumstances i know that's that's what happened to me in, in my journey which yeah. i talked about many times before is I did the college thing. I did the conventional thing. I did follow the direction and guidance of my parents and the flow of the herd where me and all my friends were going totally. to college. Yeah. And that became a part of my story because yeah. I met the closest family I have in my life yeah. in college and all the experiences we've had. But it was at some point I recognized that same thing you had, that, in, yeah. that insight, that checking in with my body, that this is not right. Yeah. There was external factors like getting arrested, being in a really dark relationship with my girlfriend in the city that basically the yeah. city was trying to spit me out. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I was feeling like I was ready to get rid of the city too. Yeah. So I think a lot of people just push that, put, like suppress that down or squish that sense, sensation down mm -hmm. to the point where it bursts. 
like yeah. you were talking about before. It becomes suicidal thoughts. It becomes, I got to escape. I got to get out of here now. Yeah. Versus being able to be more deliberate about it. Yeah. Sometimes I think it's more dangerous to be comfortable than to be depressed or even suicidal or like on the edge and experiencing an extreme mm. because being kind of comfortable or kind of safe or kind of liking your life that's like a really easy way to just kind of get by but never never actually gleam the most out of life never actually experience the fullness of what life could be and so for me i think the darkness can be dangerous and all of that but it's like i actually i actually feel alive even there mm. i actually feel alive there and it usually when i'm there it's this i'm in this recognition that I'm learning something, that there's something here for me, that there's a communication, that there's a message. If I can just listen, and it might take me a while to actually understand or come to terms with that lesson. A lot of us probably already know what that lesson is, Mm. and it just takes us time to take that action. But I feel like, yeah, it's actually to be in that extreme of like, oh, I'm feeling so much darkness. Or like for me, I, I just felt that this isn't working for me at such a young age that I just hit the breaking point sooner. And it was just this extreme, but in a lot of ways, I'm so fortunate that that, that it happened to me that way. Mm-hmm. So I don't wish it away and I'm really grateful for it. And I also remember hating hearing anybody talk about being grateful for their darkness or you know, like just be positive about it when I was in it. <laughs> and so I get that as well. And it's just, yeah, it's a part of the process. So mm. for me, I've been learning to, to not wish it away so much. And the more I move through darkness and like strengthen my relationship with it and also become more solid in myself, I have harder lessons and harder kind of battles and challenges come up. But I do feel more equipped and I at least have can carry some of the lessons from the previous cycle mm. in with me. And so for me, lessons that I've pulled out of my darkness, even being in here in Santa Barbara on my journey have been like, I can be lighter with it. Like I don't need to be so serious and, you know, such a hamster on the wheel Mm. all the time. (laughs) Yeah, man, the seriousness is a killer. You know, that's that's my way of being. My yeah. natural way of being, you know, the parallels in yeah. our story of being ambitious, yeah. being disciplined and yeah. willing to push the edges and go beyond what most people will do. Mm-hmm. That was my story growing up, too. Yeah. I missed out on the humor side of things. It led me to <sighs> become a very, I, I, just, I just believed a lot of my own bullshit. I just believed that I was hot shit. Yeah. But I played the humble card. Totally. And made it, passed it off as, no, this is, I'm, I'm a very humble guy. I'm so awesome that I'm the <laughs> humblest guy in the room. And the ironic part about that is as I reflect back on mm-hmm. it and I look at my other brothers around me and, and men that I see coming up in the world is there's really become this fragility of the male ego. Yeah. It's it's hoisted up upon cards, man, like like toothpicks. It's so delicate. Yeah these days because we take ourselves so seriously we put so much value and importance on being significant being liked being appreciated acknowledged validated that in the absence of it we crumble yeah it's one of the most devastating things i've seen in our society i have a lot of thoughts on how we got there yeah but i look around and it's just like wow we as men are very susceptible to external opinions yeah not to say that women aren't either but it seems like the stakes are higher for men because if we're not feeling important or yeah. valued or significant, we kill ourselves nine times out of 10. Nine, nine out of 10 suicides are men. Yeah. So there's something to it. That's not just made up shit. Those are actual facts and figures. There's, there's something that's yeah. happening with this male ego that we're not preparing our boys for. Yeah. So... <sighs> At the stage you're at, what are you seeing about your own ego and the ego of your contemporaries? Because I also believe it's a generational thing, too. Yeah. I don't think that we always had this. I don't want to say softness because then somebody's going to come over here and say, <laughs> oh, you're calling men soft. Don't be so critical. But it is. It's like it is a, like yeah. a fragility, a, yeah. a delicateness. 
Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing that came up for me hearing you say all of that is really, I feel like growing up, I didn't know what purpose meant. I didn't know how to find meaning in my life. I didn't know how to think about these things. Somehow I kind of found myself there, but I didn't have there I didn't have any tradition or any teachings being instilled upon me or given to me from a young age about living more meaningfully or purposefully and and I feel like that's a really big thing that's missing in my generation is a sense of like hey my my life means something my life matters my life I can do something with my life that can make a difference in the world I can do something in my life that can be part of a greater legacy and that can be part of a greater vision for the world and that I can actually do something to be a part of the solution versus just like being another person looking at the world you know on the couch at a, looking at a television or s- swiping on a phone and seeing all the problems and then just feeling like we can never tackle them because they're so big instead of like proactively going out into the world and finding ways that we can just be a little bit better and a, yeah, a little bit kinder, a little bit more caring, a little bit stronger in who we are so that we can support other people. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like that's the biggest thing. I feel like I was so lost. And I mean, I, of course, I'm still looking for significance and still I still have an ego. I don't plan on getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. And I still want all of those things. But my practice is coming coming back with into myself and letting like a deeper a deeper part of myself drive and be in charge which is that part of me is looking to live more purposefully and forge something with more meaning and when i was most lost in my life it was because i didn't have a sense of purpose and so then i was going after the, the you know validation and going after external yeah my ego was just in the driver's seat and I was looking for the girls I was with to validate me and diving in, you know, into that world. I was, you know, just partying a lot and doing a lot of drugs and also gaining a lot of really good experiences from that. That taught me a lot. But like I was in a different world and I was also so lost because I didn't feel a sense of purpose in my life. I didn't feel like I was really of value. I didn't feel like I felt like my life was kind of meaningless. And so I think the difference when I look at like myself you know, just four or five years ago, or if I look at myself now, I just feel like I have, I know that there's a direction where if I die, I'm going to have made a lasting impact on the people I surrounded myself with. Mm. And for me, if I can even just expand that a little bit every day, or if I can just even act within that circle of influence, that gives me a sense of fulfillment, which makes me feel less lost even if i am actually really lost yeah so at this in this moment yeah would you say that you know what your purpose is Mm. yeah i think that's an evolving thing for sure Mm -hmm. i have a good feeling of it i i Mm -hmm. am here to be a connected man Mm -hmm. a man that's connected with myself with the people around me and with nature Mm -hmm. and that's like the that's that's it in its simplest form Mm -hmm. and that looks like a lot of things but that's what it kind of dials back to in essence. So when I'm when I feel lost, that's kind of what I return to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talk about this I, for you guys who've listened to the podcast before and heard me talk about the stages of development via Allison yeah. Armstrong. For me, knighthood, this journey, mm-hmm. this this pretty much from when you hit puberty yeah. to your mid twenties, early thirties, yeah. is about running, standing in the center of your circle, yeah. and running off to touch every arc of the circle seeing what it feels like over here, yeah. what's going on over this side, and running back and forth mm-hmm. and forward and backwards, side to side, across diagonal, uh, and then eventually landing in the center, looking around at all these experiences that I had, having a very clear direction that your mm-hmm. internal compass is pointing. Mm-hmm. Which, when I was 25 to 27 years old, I thought that arriving at purpose meant I'd be able to write it down etch it into stone, put it somewhere Uh on my altar, and that was it. It'd be done. (laughs) But 
what I've come to realize is that vision and purpose and the meaning of my life and how I give back is constantly evolving. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever going to stop. Because yeah. you and I have both spent time around really great men that yeah. are twice twice my age, some of them three times your age, yeah. and who are still evolving yeah. their purpose and totally. their meaning because there's stages and seasons of life. Yeah. So, and asking you that question, I'm not trying to trap you. I'm just interested in seeing where are you at in that stage? Because back to the compass point, once you recognize what that direction is, you begin moving towards it. Yeah. And it almost sounds to me like that's what you're starting to arrive at is you see this direction. You're not quite sure what's going, what you're going to encounter on your journey, but at least you're moving towards it. And to say one more thing and then have you respond it's so important to recognize that no one stage of that journey or process is better or worse yeah. or less than the other. Yeah. That journey of like running to every arc of the circle is so important. Mm-hmm. And if we don't live that fully in our lives, then we got to regress back to that stage and do it again. Yeah. You can't, you can't skip any steps totally. around the medicine wheel mm-hmm. and, and around the wheel of life. Yeah. So where where do you assess yourself to be? And, and what are you learning about the direction that you want to mm. walk? Mm. Yeah, well, using Alison Armstrong's framework, I'm square in knighthood. And that is, from what I've learned, all about it's slaying the dragons, going out and experiencing everything I can and traveling the world, whatever that looks like, and seeing the kingdom, basically, and outside and just all over. And I guess for me, in that, in, in before understanding where I want to go, because I'm going a bit of everywhere, like you're saying, I need to know, like, at least where I'm at. And I think that and who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also something that gets refined. Like I'm always, I think I'm always going to be refining that. Mm. But like I need to have a sense of centeredness in myself and a sense of who I am, which is why I say, oh, I'm a connected man. That mm. brings me back to being that. Mm. And that's like the man that I want to show up as. That's like my context to use the word that I've learned from the men's team that you've been a part of. And for me, if I show up that way, I know that. I can go about my life and I can go all of those different directions. And no matter what happens, I can always feel centered. I can feel at home in myself. And so that's a practice that I guess traveling the world has helped me refine is like feeling at home wherever I go. Like I'm about to drive halfway across the country tomorrow. And in this moment, I don't feel very nervous about that or anything. And sometimes I do, but I think when I look back at, you know, the first time I was stepping on that that plane, 18, about to go to India by myself, I was nervous. Of course, mm-hmm. I was like, super excited, but I was like, oh, you know, worked up and <laughs> overwhelmed about it. And for me, I just feel at home and I feel more at home in myself. And there's tons of work to be done to be more of that. Mm. But um, I think that's really what it's what the journey is all about. Anyways, it's all like looking around everywhere I'm going and learning from it mm-hmm. and yeah, seeing the mirror that's always present in life and then and distilling and coming to a deeper understanding of, of who I am so I can walk in the world with more of that. Yeah. So I really like that, man. That adds another dimension to the, I guess this, developing metaphor that i've used of what knighthood's about you know going and touching each arc of the circle and then finding what direction you're pointed in and then moving towards it as you step into princehood and i like what you brought to the equation of that centeredness Mm -hmm. before you can even go and and stretch and touch these different points there's like you have to acknowledge that you're standing in a circle (laughs) acknowledge that your feet are on the ground and have a strong sense of centeredness because it can be disruptive and disorienting to run in all these different directions. In fact, I think totally. that's where a lot of a lot of people spin out is just like <laughs> Bali, Bali, Bali. No, Burning Man. No, you know what's the next adventure? Excitement, <laughs> yeah. excitement, and to get lost. And obviously, one thing we've alluded to, but I don't think we've said explicitly that every experience is valuable. Yeah, 
even the dark ones, you know, the really challenging ones. I just heard a story last week about someone I know was very close to someone who got raped. Like literally he was with them very close to the time that it happened and just being able to witness that process for someone because obviously it's something you don't wish or want to happen to anyone yeah. but just like any any other experience like that on that scale it's what we make of it yeah you know it either becomes part of your your triumph or part of your tragedy yeah and and we get to be the authors of that you know even the root word of authority and power is mm. authorship yeah who's writing the story yeah who's deciding if this is a tragedy or a triumph so yeah man i want to hear a little bit more about your rite of passage you mm-hmm. came out and fasted with us yeah. after having many other natural life initiations mm-hmm. and self-initiations world initiations yeah. so specifically what was the difference about coming out here and fasting in the desert with us um and then after that we can talk a little bit about men's team before we wrap it up yeah totally yeah well fasting with you guys was really the conclusion uh, the culmination of a big chapter of my life, which was that rite of passage, really, for me, declaring that death and rebirth and that transition from boyhood to manhood. And it's it was a journey that I'd been on for coming up on two years at the time. And I had been self-initiating. I had been traveling. And when I was traveling, I had that intention carried with me because I, the summer before I left, I felt my childhood dying. I was, you know, I felt like I was in this, like, felt like fall. I was seeing all the colors turn and I was harvesting and Mm. I was just seeing the beauty of being back home and really soaking it in Mm. um, for kind of a last time because I wasn't ever going to be, I'm never going to be back there just like that. And so it was this beautiful death that was happening and I was looking to be born into the next time of my life. But in my travels, I had gone back home to make more money and to yeah find the next step and I felt really lost in that and a big part of that was although people knew that I was different my family my friends they saw that I had had a lot of experiences they didn't fully understand most of them didn't fully understand what I had been through and I was missing I was missing something from that experience and what I was really missing was being witnessed by other men Mm. by being witnessed and welcomed back by the community and the tribe. And for me, that didn't happen until I went out there with you guys. Um, Mm -hmm. What was that feeling like coming back on the morning after your fourth night and and seeing the faces of (sighs) men that you knew, but obviously being very different coming back across that threshold? It's just love, love and appreciation that... There were men that cared enough to take their time to be out there with me. Mm. And to know that I had brothers that were coming down the mountain as well at that moment, having gone through that with me. Mm. This like camaraderie that I experienced and still experience with every brother that I get to witness stepping across that threshold and then back again. It's a beautiful feeling, and it's something that just feels so right for me. It feels like I see how this is what our ancestors did. I see why we had these traditions, and I also see that we've really lost our roots in this modern world. We've lost our connection with the earth and our ancestors and tradition and a way of life that is connected and integrated with nature and with with our own natural cycles. And we've just, yeah, we've really lost that in this industrial age with all this technology, with all this newness and expansion. It's like this tree that's grown super high, but now when the wind comes, then the tree almost gets, you know, knocked over or it does. Mm. And that's just how I feel like I was walking in the world and most people are walking in the world without that rootedness that rites of passage give and provide Mm-hmm. And so for me, coming back across the thresholds was, it was so profound because I got to be seen by you guys. It was so profound because I know now that I have men in my life who see who I am, who see where I'm going and are willing to hold me accountable, are willing to 
say, hey, that's the bar now. You got to be there. You know, mm-hmm. that's who you said you were. That's what you claimed. Mm. So to be in a space and in a community where I'm always being called forward in my life is just, it's completely life-changing. And that's where the men's team has come in. That's where like I'm surrounded by incredible brothers now mm-hmm. everywhere in my life. And it's something that I want to, you know, be able to pass on simply by being a brother to all everybody out here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and that's a big part of the mission, right? I mean, rising man, we're claiming it. We're, we're yeah. initiating an entire generation of men yeah. for the purposes of freeing up this traffic jam, this bottleneck that we have in the gate between childhood and adulthood for men in our world. And every time I see a man coming back across that threshold, yeah. it's almost like I have this, you know, when they have the counters going, you know, like yeah. the, the things are rolling and the and so I just see every man come through. It's like another one, another one, another mm, one. Yeah. And the, this it's the same look on, on their face every single mm-hmm. time. That look of, wow, this is what I've been was waiting for. This is what I was looking for. And I had no idea where to find it. Yeah. And I didn't know where to find it either. I had, yeah. to, I had to come 3,000 miles across the country yeah. to find it and never even thought that I'd have access to it. Yeah. So, so yeah, man, just thinking about that being on the other side and seeing the men's faces receiving me and hearing you talk about that, I can remember how that felt for me when I did it back in 2014. And, yeah. and the same the same or similar sensation of arriving at the men's team for the first time, which was also back in you know 2013 for me. Yeah. And arriving at this place as a 25-year-old, watching these grown-ass men do things that yeah. I've never seen grown-ass men do. Yeah. Kind of... A lot of people arrive at a men's team. They think that it's culty or yeah. you know alternative or something <laughs> because it's it's so different than what conventional masculinity looks like. Yeah. So as a twenty-one-year-old stepping into that space, what are some of your reflections about being on a men's team for eight <laughs> oh, <geez>. months? <laughs> There's so many. Just that this is day one for me. Like the sun is just rising. It's early morning in my life and that there's so much to learn seeing men who have walked this path for you know decades and seeing what that looks like actually being able to look at somebody and be like oh that's what it looks like to be in integrity Mm. for decades Mm. (laughs) that's how people show up it just gives me this visual of oh i can be like that you know if i put in the work if I really strive and every moment, every day, be there. And it is also this really humble, it's been this humbling experience of like, oh, I'm so not there. Mm-hmm. I'm not that man yet. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> for me, it was kind of like getting thrown in the washing machine on an ultra spin <laughs> cycle yeah. and then, you know, sent for another couple of rounds. Yeah. That, especially that first year, you know, I talk about it a lot where I, I was really quiet. I was just trying to take it all in because yeah. it was so different, so new. And yeah, I, it's great to have you on the show talking a bit about it because everybody yeah. hears me talking about my men's team and yeah. how much oh, I've God. gotten from it. So, what are you, you know, stepping into that space and then leaving the space? What What are the top one, two, or three things that you're carrying with you for this next stretch of walk? Yeah. Well, the biggest one is definitely hands down. Uh, clearer understanding of integrity and what that means for me. Mm. I always thought of myself as a man with a lot of integrity. You know, I cared about people. I felt like I did the right thing most of the time to the best of my abilities. And I just got a lot of wake-up calls from men who care about me, calling me forward, saying, hey, you can be way better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can do that way better. And so for me that looks like being my word, which looks like actually knowing what I'm committed to. Because commitment, I thought I was really committed going in. (laughs) And I realized at one moment, I think I said like, I feel so overcommitted to things and just got the immediate mirror that like, if I'm overcommitting to things, that means I'm actually undercommitting to all of those things because I Mm. can't show up fully to any of them. Mm -hmm. And that really hit me in the face. <laughs> one of those gut punches. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Stings a it little bit. It was great, yeah. <laughs> That's another one. Letting things sting. 
and being willing to let things sting for me when I when I have something mirrored to me that I maybe don't want to look at or some truth that is showing up being able to really look at myself and see those parts of myself you know using this terminology of from the men's team of falling on your own sword I did that a bunch hmm. on the on the team hmm. which is basically just having something sting like having a man, you know, take a slash at you basically and say, hey, I see this. Or, you know, for me expressing something where something came up and just feeling the sting of like, oh, that doesn't sit right for me. The way I showed up in that interaction doesn't sit right. That's not who I want to be. But falling on my own sword is like, no, let me stab myself, you know, instead mm-hmm. of like letting somebody else point that out in me. And so for me, when life or a man I respect points something out in me, and it stings and it cuts i just feel i can look i can look at it more than i could when i first started mm. and i can still grow with that but there's just a willingness to like just stand in myself and just sit upright and just feel it and then look at the solution and i can't say i do that all every single time life hits me with some good challenges and i ask for them but i i guess i just feel ready to ask for more of them because mm-hmm. I know that that's what strengthens me and makes me a better man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's one thing that's always been mirrored back to me is the rate at which you grow is the degree to which you're willing to embrace the suck. <laughs> you know, the suck. Embrace the suck, embrace the sting, take it in, breathe it in. Yeah. You know, it's like a, like an, like an ice plunge. Yeah. You know, it's good for you, but you don't want to fucking do it. You don't want to hear it. You don't want to look at it. <laughs> Uh, but I've definitely found that the more I'm willing to be with it, cause then it loses its punch. Yeah. When you actually look at it, yeah. a lot of the things that sting, it's just cause you make it mean something. Yeah. It's cause we make it mean something. I make it mean something. Yeah. I, I'm sure a lot of guys can relate to this yeah. when I'm out of integrity and I, I see my younger childish boy coming online of the, the boy who used to hide it or try to make it so that nobody saw where that I did something wrong or that I did something out of integrity comes on board and, and is like fully engaged yeah. that it becomes so much more painful to be hiding it that, and it becomes bigger than it actually is. And then exposing it and realizing that nobody cared a quarter as much as I did. Yeah. I was making it mean this whole big thing. And really the men around me just care about, well, what's the truth? Yeah. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah, That's the bottom line. That was one of the reasons I was so intimidated when I stepped into a men's space for the first time. Because I was like, damn, I had a pretty good thing going out there in the world where I was flaunting my bullshit everywhere and everybody's just letting me have my uh-huh. performance. Yeah. This ain't going to fly. This is, you know, this is like going through things with a fine-tooth comb, sifting things through a micro mesh. And it's been, I know for me, it's been life-changing. I talk about it all the time. I know I've witnessed you in this and it's been earth shattering at times but you know so good though so good exactly so good so it's not just me i'm not the only one who's talking up this experience <laughs> i need some backup yeah to endorse it. the the function <laughs> the and suck. really the, the suck <laughs> endorse the suck and also endorse stepping into spaces like this yep. and not everybody can come live with me and come join this men's team but we can create a culture of yep. men out in the world who do what we do it's not complicated it's very totally. simple so when we talk about fire circles and stuff, that's really what it's all about Yeah, is learning how to do this together yeah. and then swinging at each other <laughs> with our swords and then embracing each other at the end of the day. Yeah. And coming together, because what I love about this movement and why I stand for it is we need to come together as brothers. We need to get around the fire. We need to go back, go back to these ways, the ways of our ancestors, the ways that the indigenous people of this land did things and connect back and and support each other as brothers versus trying to do it by ourselves in life because that was me i was trying to do it all by myself and that's something i really i'm really grateful that i can authentically say that that's not what i'm doing Hmm. that's been the paradigm i've been in most of my life was oh i'm alone i'm doing this and it's just not the case anymore so for any brother out there, like we're right here. We're right here. Come 
be a part of this movement. Be a, just come chill with us. Come hang out. Come talk. Come be real, and take your mask off and have some fun. Like it's not just suck. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we laugh at each other a lot. Yeah. It's actually really good medicine. Yeah, this yeah. has been a very PG thirteen conversation. <laughs> Well, there is a there is a confidentiality agreement when it comes to men's things, but but yeah, no, we we do have a lot of fun, man. We do have a lot of fun. We we uh, we talk about a lot of uh, sacrilegious things. And <laughs> the irreverence, the irreverence of men's work is one of the most one of my favorite parts of it. <laughs> one of the most sacred parts. The of sacred it. irreverence of it all. Yeah. Um, well, beautiful, man. I mean, it's it's been great to capture some of your reflections at this stage of your journey. Obviously, mm-hmm. like you said, the the sun is just beginning to rise. It's it's early dawn on your yeah. on your path, and now you're heading heading east all over again to Texas a little bit. Yeah, at least for a while. Yeah, before the next journey calls you in another direction. Anything else to say before we hit, hit the lightning round? Mm, all good, bro. Yeah, ready for some lightning bolts. Yeah. All right. So this really wasn't too long ago for you, so you should actually remember this one. What's the one thing you've learned in your life you wish you knew when you were 18? <laughs> Lightning. Yeah, just don't take it so seriously. <laughs> I think, yeah. That's it. Simple. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? I think connection. Connection with ourselves. That's where it all starts. And where can the good people find you and follow you and work with you? Uh, by the way, if yeah. you guys haven't connected the dots rowan is the man behind all the amazing photos and videos anything that has come out in the form of a video for rising man has had rowan's fingerprints on it so we'll let the work speak for itself obviously it's impressive but where can people find you work with you check you out totally man well first of all any brothers out there anybody can just add me on instagram or facebook at rowan tyne R-O-W-A-N-T-Y-N-E and shoot me a message. Let's just chat. And then anybody who is interested in what I'm doing actually in the world, I have a business called Helix Digital Creations and we're creating high quality content for heart-centered leaders and really creating some amazing partnerships and doing some awesome work. And you can find that at helixdigitalcreations.com or just add me and it's all there as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, looking forward to connecting with all you guys. And and Sean Offenbach, the guy who produces that all, guy. These amazing, all these amazing podcast episodes <laughs> is the other half of the double-headed dragon that is Helix Digital Creation. So yep. I could fully endorse these guys and say you'd be in good hands. So yep. my brother, on the eve of your departure, I'm glad we got to have this conversation. And yeah. um, it's been really a, a, a joy to, and a pleasure to watch you go through all of it all of it and just to be a witness and to be reminded of how simple the journey is and how easy it is to complicate it. Mm. And I, I really acknowledge you for continuing to rise and, and find your way through. That's really what it's about, right? Mm. It's just getting up again over yeah. and over and over. And I've seen that in you and really appreciate you, bro. Mm. Thank you, man. I received that. And yeah, to put it back on you right now, this guy's for real. Everybody's listening. Like, I admire this man a lot, and he's been a big bro for me. And if you're listening, you already hear the integrity and you already hear the realness, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And this guy is for real. So come hang out with us and uh, stay tuned for a lot more because this is where it's going down. Hmm. Much love. It was a special episode to interview Rowan. He lived with myself and my family for the better part of eight months. And it was great to have him be a part of this family, to be a part of the Rising Man family, to be a contributor to everything that we're doing here and to capture his story because he's truly an impressive young man. I guess that's two-fifths of the Rising Man power team now. We've had Rowan on the show. We've had Julian on the show. These men behind the scenes, I'm, I'm glad that I'm getting an opportunity to finally start really showcasing them instead of just mentioning their names at the end of episodes because truly extraordinary men that I get to work with that I'm surrounded by that make everything we do here possible. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hope you are following Rowan and everything he's doing because he is absolutely a rising star. So be on the lookout. And especially if you guys have any media needs, I can never recommend Sean and Rowan and Mark 
and their whole team over at Wayfinders anymore. They've, they've made everything that we do here behind the scenes possible. So go check those guys out. And while you're at it, make sure you sign up for our Rising Man Fire Circles and consider joining us for our next Compass outing for a four-day vision fast out in the wilderness. All information for this is at risingman.org. You can check out the show notes for links and resources there. And please subscribe and follow us wherever you're listening to the Rising Man podcast, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of those platforms. Like it up, share it up. Tell us what you think. We love hearing feedback from you guys. Check us out on Instagram at Rising Man Movement and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the Rising Man Movement. All of our Monday morning meditation episodes now have a video version. So if you haven't been checking those out, please go check them out, like them up, share them on your social media so that we can get the Rising Man message out there to more people. Last but not least, shout out to my Rising Man power team. Obviously, we've already mentioned Rowan, but Sean Offenbach, Julian Subic, Ryan Wilcox, and Mark Rose. Appreciate you guys as always. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.